Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend Mark Morris. Welcome back to the show, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. How's everything going on your end? You know, pretty good. I can't complain. I'm, I'm having tons of fun doing lots of uh, podcast episodes recently. It's, it's really good. It's always fun when you can get like really productive and knock a bunch of stuff out. And yeah, you feel like sure. you're getting it done. Yeah. So it, we're gonna we're gonna give you a chance to like tell people where they can find you at the end of the show. But what's going on with you? So. I've got a lot going on. Actually, I've been working a long time. I do a lot of performing arts photography, and uh, I shoot a lot of really cool high-end pianists uh, for a recital series that I do. And I've been working for the last like two or three years to try to leverage that into some other performing arts groups. And I finally got, uh, I have a trial shoot in a couple of weeks with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Wow. And um, I don't know that I've talked about it too much on the any anywhere, but I I actually my master's degree is in trombone performance. I'm an or, I'm an orchestral trombone player, and those guys are all my teachers in the Philly Orchestra. Those are the guys that I studied with in in school. So that's just like a dream gig. So yeah, I'm, no I'm really looking forward to that. That's really cool. Do you, Do you think yeah. it gives you an advantage when you're trying to take photos of the orchestra because you you've played and studied it? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the classical music, like protocol, right. of what's right and what's wrong, when what you can do when and whatnot. Um, but it was also kind of cool when I um, um, the conversation went back and forth with their content creation team. Their their one requirement is you absolutely must shoot with something that's a silent shutter because you can't sure. disturb the the audience. <laughs> of course, and uh, and I'm like. Well, now that I'm no longer shooting Canon, I can do that. Uh-huh. So, yes. uh, so it kind of padded my uh, my feeling that it was it was a uh, a good move to get over to uh, Sony mirrorless. That was um, this is a gig that I just simply could not have gotten without it. So that's that's awesome. very cool. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, and let's. Uh, oh, yeah. What else? You have something else you want to say? Yeah, I got a couple other things. I got. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And another really cool thing is, uh, I, let's keep it on the Sony thing. I'm, I'm actually, I'm all in with the Sony A7R4. Um, I got a chance to shoot that uh, probably a week or two ago, right, right before it actually hit the shelves, and that is a beautiful camera body. And the fact that they left it at thirty four ninety nine instead of popping it up to some really kooky price range. I'm completely stoked. So I'm in the middle of like selling off a bunch of other stuff to kind of put the money together to get it. <laughs> right. But I'm going to have that in my hands by the middle of November. And uh, that 61 megapixel monster will be will be great for uh, some archival work that I do with uh, a couple of museums and whatnot. So kind of feel like I'm moving to medium format, even though I'm not. Very cool. And uh, and the third big thing is I have a, a trip coming up to Iceland in July of 2020. And I just got word that Breakthrough uh, Filters, which interestingly enough, we're going to be talking about filters today, but they have agreed to sponsor it. And they're going to have uh, tons of filters for everybody to shoot while they're in Iceland. And then at the end of the whole thing, they just basically 
we can sort out who likes what the most and they get to keep the stuff when they're at the end of it. Nice. Wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's a really neat I I, I was really, really thankful for them for supporting that. That's a kind of a neat neat thing that I've never seen done before. And maybe maybe it has been, but with all the uh the travel opportunities and whatnot I've seen, I, I haven't seen you know get filters with your with your yeah. trip. So yeah. <laughs> I'll take nice. it. That's great. That's great. So we, yeah, we'll we'll make sure to cover like where people can find out more information if they if they want to go and participate with you on that at the end of the show. Oh sure. Let's start though. Let's get right into filters, lens filters. This is a common common topic that comes up very frequently, uh, especially as people start getting into photography. Like at, at the start of their journey, this comes up no matter what you're shooting. Um, it comes up about what filters are and getting filters. And so I, I wanted this episode to be kind of a, a thing I can point those people to as recommendations on what, what are important when you look for in filters and what do we recommend. Our recommendations, of course, are, are going to change over time as products don't stand still and we have new offerings. But always on on the podcast I'm on, on Photo Taco Master Photography, I always have this emphasis on best value gear. I always want to try to steer people towards like, hey, you know, I understand having a hobbyist budget. I understand you can't break the bank. You can't spend gobs of money on gear. So given that you want to be able to have the advantages you can get out of adding filters to your bag and using them as conditions, as you meet those conditions where you need them, um, what is kind of the best ones they can do? We're going to get to some specific recommendations, but I want to start at the top. I want to start off with for, for someone who's newer to photography and maybe they've started to hear people say, you know, you really need to get some filters to be able to use on your camera. They, they may be familiar with a term and filter being like all of the, the apps that are on phones with photography yeah, right. filters that, <laughs> this that can is be applied. Not that. <laughs> this is not the same thing. <laughs> Although it can sort of end up having a similar effect as what they call filters in those like Snapchat and some of those apps, uh, Instagram, there's filters, but because you can end up having like orange, yellow tinting in your photos with a, yeah, with that's a filter. true. You can, you can do some yeah. creative, unusual filters, but, uh, but these are also a lot of this is more corrective, just trying to get a better capture to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Improve what you're capturing in some fashion. We're going to talk about some, some specifics here in just a second, but Tell me, Mark, why would we want to use filters today? It's 2019. We have like incredible sensors in our cameras. We have really powerful post-processing software that can, it's getting better and better, like even automating things with artificial intelligence and and some features that are super cool to be able to help with with making that post-processing work. Why would anyone care then about putting a filter on their lens to try to change what the light is that's coming into their camera. Well, I think right at the very end of your, of your question, you just nailed the answer. And that is that photography is all about managing light. And if you're shooting outdoors and you have your aperture down pretty low, like it's pretty small aperture and your ISOs all the way down and you still want to do a longer exposure, then you have to figure out some other way to limit light. Um, and, and as far as ND filters, that's exactly what they do. So it's basically 
the the way I view it is you have your your capturing process and then your post processing process mm-hmm. and and you you want to have as a photographer you want to have your your game really going on both of them um but filters are all about managing the capturing of your images exactly the way you envision it so right. if you want to have a certain shutter speed and a certain aperture uh there are cases where you absolutely must use a filter in order to get there right Okay, so I'm I'm gonna I want to talk through a couple of filters that I'm gonna recommend um, photographers of all types and all experience levels. So the the beginners, kind of what we're trying to to talk to in this episode a little bit more specifically. The the advanced photographers are already through this stage probably, but um, but for the beginners who are considering this, I want to go through some terms too. And on Photo Taco, we really try hard to define terms that make sure that we're not using things that only experienced photographers will understand and, and explain stuff. You mentioned ND filter, so maybe we should start there. Tell me what an ND filter is and maybe some like use case about why you might need an ND filter. Yeah, definitely. So the I think the easiest way to describe an ND filter is that it's sunglasses for your camera. So your eyes are are capable of processing much, much brighter light and darker light than a camera sensor is the the best camera sensor only does about 14 or 15 stops of light variations and your eye can do like 20 or 21 um and if you think about your eyes when you go out into terribly bright sunlight you're gonna throw a pair of sunglasses on there just to kind of chill things out and to be able to manage the light and it basically does the same exact thing for your camera sensor um so the the two places where I use them the most, one is is I think a lot of people really associate neutral density filters with photographing moving water. And so you're out there in the middle of a day and it's in relatively bright light and you want to get a waterfall and have that like eight second exposure or or maybe you want to go crazy and have a 30 second exposure or whatever. And and there's just too much light to be able to do that. Um, And so you put the sunglasses on and and it lets you have a longer exposure Um, and they they measure the the amount of light that the the, each filter stops by the number of stops of light. So a lot of times they'll call it like a three stop or a six stop or a, a 10 stop neutral density filter. And all that means is that it's eliminating that amount of light from hitting your sensor. Yeah, I, I like to yeah. define for someone that's kind of new to this, a stop usually on a camera when you first get your camera without changing anything, your shutter speed and your aperture, when you control them yourself, you can control them in increments that are one third of a stop. That's usually how they're set up by default. So a full stop of light would be changing your aperture by three clicks when you, um, you know, one direction or the other um, or shutter speed, changing it by three clicks is a full stop of light. So when we're talking about a stop, now when you put a three-stop ND filter on, that would mean you're, you're going to need to go like six stops or six of those clicks, right? Or no, nine, sorry, nine, nine yep, of those nine. clicks. Nine of those clicks in order to compensate for the reduction of light that you just applied 
with these sunglasses like filter that you put on there. I, that usually makes a little more more sense, like an actual physical thing that they can do in their camera. Um, so that we're, yeah. we're, we're talking about something that's easy to understand. And then another thing to think about when you're talking about stops of light is that every stop of light, you're basically either doubling or cutting in half the amount of light that, that you're allowing. So a stop of light is a big change. Um, so if you're changing, um, you know, as, as you are taking away or adding light, it, it makes a huge difference in what your camera is able to record. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what was the, that, the first example? I love it. Like waterfalls. I want to get that creamy effect on a waterfall or on a river. And, and it's, it's like, you know, two or three in the afternoon and you're maybe even in a shady area, but it's still just so much light. You can't, you cannot, um, have a shutter speed that's going to make that happen. And this is, this is a solution that you're going to have to do that. You can put an ND filter on there and, and really change it so that it look, it's, it's a much darker scene what's the other use case that, that you would come so the use? other one that i use I honestly probably even more so for myself is portraiture so we all spend lots of money to get these lenses that will open up to a really wide aperture to create a very very narrow depth of field and to create a really creamy background for a beautiful portrait photo and and so a lot of times i i think the this as people are starting to really delve into photography, probably they get a 2.8 lens to start that out. Right. But then after that, they even go even even more wide open, like a 1.8 or a 1.4. And these lenses are letting in a ton of light. Um, and you want that really wide open aperture look to your photo. But in the bright midday sun, just like we were talking about with the waterfall, there's too much light coming through. And so in order to use those wide open apertures in a portrait, you just pop an ND filter on there and uh, and and it basically just solves the problem. Right. Now, I don't know if you said it, what ND actually stands for, but just to, to make sure we said it, a neutral density. That's the, the terminology there. And I know that yep. wouldn't clear it up for anybody if that's what you heard. You're like, I still don't get what, <laughs> what that is. I don't understand. But it's, it's just like we it, you just think about it like sunglasses, like you said. Yeah, I think with neutral density, what they're really, I, I think, and from historically back in the film days, they would have a bunch of corrective filters for bringing out the contrast in black and white film, sure. and they would focus on one part of the color spectrum, um, whereas a neutral density is basically equally affecting the entire color spectrum equally. Yep. And and so I, I'm I that's always been my assumption. I don't think anybody ever said that to me but i <laughs> but i think that's what they mean by neutral density right so it doesn't matter nd you just need to think of that as that's the sunglasses one that's the best way to to kind of think through it i think i, I love that that analogy now before we leave nd filters i want to describe just kind of use cases and what other filter types there are um that and what we're going to recommend photographers build up in their their bag um uh, before we, leave, we have to define another term that they're likely to encounter as you go to search for an ND filter, and that's the term of variable ND filter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- what this is, it's, it's a little bit different because uh, with the, like the sunglasses analogy, when y- you can't control with your sunglasses, I don't know, maybe there are some that are out there like this, but you, you normally you can't. You put your sunglasses on and it's just going to block the light it blocks. It just, it, it doesn't change based on the light that's out there. And 
transition glasses are a different thing but but with right. with sunglasses they're it's it's not going to change like it, they're not going to be like oh there's there's way more light right now i'm going to go even darker or something like that. they're just what they are that's what we're t- that's a normal nd filter without the variable on the front when you say variable now it's it's a filter that you can you're supposed to be able to change from blocking say if it's a, a three to six stop ND variable ND filter at three stops or by default, it'll be three stops. But then if, after you mount the filter onto your, on your lens, the outside of this variable ND can still kind of rotate and you can move it. And it inc- like, if you move it one direction, it increases how much light is going to stop from getting in the lens. So going from like a three to a four to a five to a six, I don't know what, what stops they'll, they'll have. There's various options there. But they'll they'll change how much light they block, and then rotating it the other direction decreases the amount of light that it's going to block going in there. So that it's it varies. You the lens in a single filter allows you to vary how much light is being blocked by the filter. I'm curious, Mark. I have an opinion on this, but what do you think of variable ND filters? Well, I'm I'm going to kind of. I'll, I'll be really honest. I, I formulated my opinion a long time ago, and I don't do video. And so I think those two things kind of leave me in the same place where I don't use variable ND filters ever. Um, back when I did have an ND, a variable ND, it was the very first one I got. And you go into the camera store and you look at all these different filters that you can get individually, or you can buy one that does the job of all of them. And you think, oh, man, that must be a deal. Right, so, right. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, great. It's like buying a, a vehicle that's supposed to be a sports car, a tow truck and a sump pump uh, a septic <laughs> right. tank cleaning truck all in one vehicle. It's like they're not the same thing. So so trying to merge them all into one thing is just it just it, to me, it was uh, a gimmick. Now, I do think there are good variable ND filters now, and I think that video people especially really like to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I really don't do hardly any video. And and the, the, the photo work that I do, I want to know that I am adding or taking away exactly three stops of light or exactly six or, or whatever it is. And I don't want anything variable about it. I want to know exactly what's going on. Um, yeah. And I also think once you start to understand neutral density filters and work with them quite a bit, um, you're, you're generally going to have just a couple of different ones that you really want to have in your kit. And it's not like you end up needing a one stop, a two stop, a three stop, and, and, and you know all the way up to 10. So you end up with 10 different filters. Um, I think basically if you end up with a three stop, a six stop, Really, honestly, just a three and a six is all 99% of people are going to need. Right. Um, because you can then put them on top of each other and you have a nine. So you you basically have um, three you know, through nine. S- yeah. Small, medium and large. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 by the time a lot of people will run out and buy like a 10 stop neutral density filter and you use it a ton right when you bought it because it's kind of the cool new gadget <laughs> right um but it does some it makes it really hard to focus and it and it gives you some other uh challenges that that i think most photographers tend to like hanging in that 3 or 6 range right kind of in, in okay kind of a general and, general idea 
I also do not recommend variable ND filters. Uh, you bring up good reasons why you, you a, a still photographer may not want to go there. The other reason I'm going to tell you is most of the time they have challenges um, as you are changing them. They're not consistent across the entire filter. There's, there's far less consistency across the filter that in one that can change than one that can't. And so, um, so just quality wise, like a lot of us get into lenses and we're, we're looking for everything we can do to improve our image quality and filters that you're putting something in front of your, your camera now that is going to impact the image quality. And if you do good with a filter, if you get good filters, they can help you and improve the image quality or at least improve what capabilities you have for shooting something. If you put a bad filter in front of it, you're going to negatively impact your image quality. And it won't matter how expensive that lens was that's behind it and how yeah. nice that lens was that's behind it or or what kind of amazing sensor you have in the camera that's behind it. If you buy a cheap and crummy filter, you're going to be impacting your, your image quality. And a, a variable filter for stills, I just haven't seen them be as good and consistent as the regular non-variable indie filters. Yeah, and on, honestly, just with when it comes to cheap filters, there a lot of times they're either resin or plastic. They're not even glass, right? And and they're just the optically they're just crap. And and it, I mean, it's like just smearing Vaseline all over <laughs> the front element of your lens, and then going out and shooting some work. I mean, it just um, it doesn't make any sense, and. Uh, Honestly, I don't think if, if somebody doesn't have the cash on hand to go get, you know, a decent filter, you don't need to spend 500 bucks. or No, anything, right. But, you know, just a decent filter, then just wait. And uh, yeah. And yeah. And, you know, put put a little penny jar up on top of your refrigerator and start filling it and and go get a good one. It's like I, I love the the Nick Pageism of buy nice or buy twice. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're tossing. 1999 it filters all day long it won't take you that long to get to a hundred dollars worth of filters just save up and buy a hundred dollar filter yeah yeah we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more um towards the end of the show and we'll give some more solid recommendations okay let's move on to polarizing filters we've talked about nd um check on it getting an nd or two but that's a really good thing it, it enables you to have some more options um, when shooting, certainly not required. You can accomplish a ton without these filters. Lots of photographers do. It's just, it, it makes it so that you have just a little bit more flexibility in various shooting situations, especially in the middle of the day. Okay. Uh, and then don't just recommend don't, don't do the variable ND filters. Okay. Let's do polarizing yeah. then polarizing filter. So Brent, Brent Bergherman, I did a, a master photography podcast episode in September, 2019. And we, uh, we gave 10 tips for creating images that include the incorporate fall colors. So we're heading into the fall season here in North America right now as we're recording this, this episode. So we, we've provided some tips. And one of those tips, and I'll put a link in the show notes to them if, if you're interested in those. But one of them was using a polarizing filter um, to help you get a little bit better color. That's, you know, that's why you're shooting the fall season landscape is those beautiful colors that are out there in the fall season. And uh, this is one of the things that kind of help you get a little bit better color in uh, for, for shooting those kinds of scenes. Mark, t tell me about a polarizing filter. What does it do and why should photographers consider getting one? 
Sure. So, um, so polarizing filters basically control reflected light that's coming through moisture. So basically, um, as light travels through either atmospheric moisture or off of a wet surface, um, it basically functions like a prism and it reflects light waves off in, in sometimes unwanted ways. And so the, the cir- circular polarizing filter, um, they actually have a, a, a pair of, of lenses and there's one that rotates in comparison to the other. And as you rotate, um, there's a little, usually it's like a serrated outer rim and you rotate it. And as you look through your viewfinder or on your, your live view screen, you're going to see a point where you get the angle of the polarizing filter just right so that the the blue in the sky just becomes super rich and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can watch um, the greens and trees and grasses and whatnot also just come to life. Um, you, you'll see on the sides of reflective buildings or of reflective um, you know, water, bodies of water, the reflection basically gets eliminated. And you can, uh, a really cool thing to do is to take it uh, to the beach and look down through the water. And as you're turning it, you get to a point where you can actually get rid of the reflection and see right down into the bottom of the water um, or, you know, what's going on underneath. Um, And so it's actually very tangible as you're using the filter, you see what it's doing. Um, And because it gets rid of those reflections, the color frequencies come straight to your camera lens a whole lot more directly. And so you get more vivid color as you capture it. So, and obviously the more beautiful captured color you have, the more you can do with it once you go over into a computer and start post-processing it. Right. Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's really helps, uh, can help if you get a good one. (laughs) We already gave those caveats. If you get a good one, it can really help with fall color and just make those colors pop. And it's a good thing. It's it's fun to do it even when it's not fall. And you, but if you have water in your scene and cutting out the reflections can make you see down inside the water more. And that's an interesting look that is fun to capture. And and this is all before post processing. You don't have to do anything afterwards to get the effect. It's it's doing it as you're capturing the image, and it's it's really fun to be able to experiment with it. I don't know that it's going to be earth changing and it's not going to be like oh what have i done before getting this polarizing filter i can't believe it. it's not I, I, I don't know man if you get if you get like those really dramatic beautiful white puffy clouds in a blue sky yeah and and you pop oh it, there's just i mean it's cool i i i guess i i have a that was my thing when i was learning photography <laughs> as a okay. teenager was that that polarizing filter um, what I didn't know at the time is it's just another real good tidbit for everybody. Don't just leave it on your lens oh, right. all the time. No, 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 no. Um, somebody at my camera store when I was like 13 said, oh, yeah, leave it on there. And so I did for years. And that doesn't exactly do the best thing for skin tones. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's with a with the right sky and the right you know beach or river or something seen. It it kind of can be life changing. It's really cool. It is fun. I I definitely love the effect enough that for sure I, I've added it to my bag and I'm I'm using it when I remember. I because like you said I don't keep it on there all the time. So 
I have to consciously make that decision as I'm going to go shoot like, oh, this is actually a really good scenario for polarizing filter and, and add that and, and get it on there. It doesn't take long to do it. It's just remembering to, to go and do it. And so it's, and another thing it's a good is another little quick, quick tip is that as time passes and the sun has moved location, you need to readjust the yeah, filter. Right. So if you're out shooting for more than a couple minutes, um, you know, just recheck it every now and then because as the location of the sun moves, all those angles change and it all changes. Okay, so we're we're going to recommend Circular Polarizer 2 that will be in there. So we'll, we'll have a link to some of the stuff, that the ones that we recommend uh, towards the end of the show. Let's move on to another filter type that... I have a strong opinion about, and we'll see. We'll see what your opinion is too. too <laughs> I see Mark what here. you have written in your show notes, and yes, you're right. <laughs> okay, so do not buy UV filters. Yeah, th- this comes up. Oh my goodness, I see this happen with newer photographers almost immediately. It, it's amazing how fast. And I think it maybe because they it, it used to happen because you went into a camera store to buy a camera. And those guys are trying to sell you one of these because it's an extra thing to put in your bag. They, they may make another few dollars if they can get you to buy it. It's it's usually something that's pretty inexpensive for you to add. So um, so they, they do it. Just make a little more commission off of you. And <laughs> and it's often sold. We're, we're talking about a UV filter. That's the, the name of this thing. <clears throat> Sorry, it's often sold as a way to protect your lens. That's that's how I mostly hear people mm-hmm. selling this thing. And and I've seen so much advice out there in media content about photography where they as they are talking about filters, some people believe this so strongly about how much it protects their lens that they they'll even say like, you know, stop reading this article or stop watching this video, stop listening to this podcast. If you don't have a UV filter yet, go buy one right now and make sure it's <laughs> always on your lens. And I'm going to tell you the exact opposite. Please don't put a UV filter on your camera. Don't I agree do it. 100%. Um, it's supposed to be an ultraviolet filter. And for the most part is meaningless in the in the image capture process. Um, it, it doesn't actually filter much of anything. It, the UV light isn't impactful, super impactful to to think that the circular polarizer is significantly more effective at changing how the image looks than the UV and filter. What what it is, it's left over from film days because film sure, right. is very reactive to to ultraviolet light, and you you basically do need to use them to to deal with film. Um, but with digital sensors, that's simply just no longer true. Yeah. And and but that add on purchase of whatever they can get you for is yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's just too alluring to just let go of it. Um and yeah, I I wish they would just decide that they wanted to sell you, you know, a box of Zeiss lens lens wipes instead. Oh, they'll like, do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's true. They they will do that too, but um you know, pick another add-on because the um the the benefit just doesn't exist and then and every now and then you're like you said, I mean, we're in a whole bunch of the same groups on uh, on the Facebook and yeah. you see people just go off and they're just completely unhinged about. But then you're going to drop this lens and that front <laughs> filter was going to save it. Like, dude, if you're dropping your lens, all of the interior yes. gizmos that make it work 
And, you know, it, it's not just a matter of crunching up the front end of your lens. It's like all the stuff inside, like don't drop your lens. Yeah, they're so <laughs> specifically engineered. If you drop it, you put all of that engineering of the entire lens at risk, not just the front element of your yeah. of your. Of <laughs> and your I, I have dropped. I, I've only dropped one. I dropped a macro lens. I had it set up for a macro rig and it fell off of its uh, uh, my my 102.8 macro lens fell off and. And it took a few hundred bucks to set it right, but a filter would not have changed that. Right. There, there, and there's, that's just as as far as the protection aspects, I've I've seen it happen a ton, and I I love watching these these videos where they're like, okay, I was recommended this, now let me show you what actually happened for me. Yeah. And it is that after dropping it, that that thing shattered, but now I can't even get it off. Like the ring yeah, is stuck. The ring the of the filter are is all broken. yeah, <laughs> and it's it's all messed up anyway. This did nothing to help protect my lens and make it so that it's going to work. So, it, and usually when the the camera stores are putting that in there, which is not a use case we see as much now, but when when these media folks are, are recommending people go and and buy a UV lens right now, they're not giving them the advice of like make sure you get a really high quality one or it's going to negatively impact the image quality of your lens. It's like, oh, you can get them for like 10 or 15 bucks and 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 then you're all protected and it's just so worth it. It's like an insurance policy for your lens for really inexpensive. That's the same thing we already talked about. If you're going to put something crappy in front of your lens, it's going to impact the image quality and you just don't want to do that. So I just and they'll they'll sell you an insurance policy on the lens too. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> Get that instead. All right. So UV filters. Mark and I are both on the same page here. Don't don't waste your money on them. They're just it's not worth having in a digital workflow. It it's not going to help you. It's maybe going to hurt you, and it does not provide protection that's meaningful for your lens. So don't just skip it. This is an expense you don't need to make. Uh, okay. Next one. I also feel pretty strongly about this one and i think you and i disagree here but let's yeah, let's go through here, it here comes the disagreement yeah that, and that's fine that's good we need differing <laughs> perspectives and opinions and people can make their own choice um graduated filters let's just ex- just define that term again there's we we photographers just throw out uh, terms that yeah. are not easily understood by people and uh so so just define what that is for someone who may not know what a graduated filter is so a graduated neutral density filter has the darkening sunglass type stuff over half of the filter, and then the other half is clear. And they usually differentiate whether it's either a hard or a soft filter. A hard one has a pretty definitive line right across the middle where it goes from dark to light. And then soft is a more gradual line where it goes from dark to light. Um, the the old conventional wisdom um, before post-processing in a computer is that a hard and uh, graduated ND would work great along a perfectly flat horizon like the ocean. And mm. uh, the soft ones would be a little bit more forgiving and a little bit more of a gradual blend if you had like mountains or trees or something sticking up off of the horizon. Right. Okay. And And so... It's really similar, like the part on the, usually it's top to bottom, the where how you would orient this. So there's there's the sunglasses effect, like we talked about with an, an ND or neutral density filter, is there at the top and it's blocking a certain amount of light. Depends on what type of graduated filter you bought and how many stops that that is. 
And then, like you said, the soft one, it's this very gradual transition. I, I, you can compare it to if you're, if you're using Lightroom or a lot of other post-processing processing software, if you add a gradient filter, they don't use the same term, <laughs> at least in Lightroom they don't. Um, it's a gradient filter and, it, and you can make it so that it, it's applying more of the filter at the top than at the bottom. And so just the slow drop off on the soft type um, that you put in front of your your lens. And like you, you were mentioning, it just makes it so that now you're you're trying to target it that it's going to drop the, the light that's coming on the like sky elements, which tend to be a lot brighter in landscape photos than the bottom elements, the foreground in your landscape, and try to bring more of a balance of light between those two so that you can capture that and, and use it. Um, so... Okay, make your argument, Mark, for using a graduated filter. Okay, so first of all, um, I'm I'm not a, this particular case. I'm not a big fan of having an absolute statement of whether to use it or not. Sure. Okay. I think it hinges on how much you do photo editing in a computer after you take your photos. Um, and if if you'd have asked me this exact same question a year ago. I would have been 100% in agreement with you and and 100% in agreement with uh, a lot of other people that say don't use them at all. Um, But a lot of photographers don't realistically take the photos over into the computer and post-process a lot. Sure. Um, And even if they do, they're they're not overly comfortable with all of the fine controls that you would need to make very careful selections. So... My view is if you're a really competent photo editor, then hands down, you're going to want to do it in the computer and not on uh, on your camera. But if you're not, if you're basically just taking them off of your camera, exporting them and then putting them right up onto the Internet um, or printing them out or whatever it is that you do with them, um, they they serve the exact same purpose that they have for decades. Uh, And I think in some cases you'll be better off with them than without um for example you had mentioned the one of the big use cases is if the um if you're doing like a sunrise or a sunset and the sky is blowing out you want to drop the exposure of that sky by a stop or two Mm -hmm. in comparison to the foreground and you get a much nicer sky um in the winter time you might want to flip that right upside down you might you you might want to have the 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 bright white if there's a lot of of uh, bright stuff coming off of the bottom end. Um, I mean, it's, it really is just a matter of a, a a piece of hardware to correct when you have a very uneven amount of exposure. Right. Um, so, um, you know, I, I just have so many photography students in my classes now that do not post-process and they're really not, you know, a lot of them are senior citizens or they're just um, not computer savvy, and they're just like, we don't want that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> right. Okay. And, okay. And and so in that case, I think the GND is a great uh, a great thing. And the other thing that I think is a beautiful thing about it is that it forces you to slow down. Uh, the the era of digital photography, it is so easy to go out there and you come out with five hundred and seventy five pictures of the same thing. Yep. And and when you're actually thinking about what's going in front of your lens, lining everything up to the composition exactly the way you want, and then you're going to bring this down by a stop or two by adding this, all of a sudden you are being cognitive about 
the exposure that you're making and the capturing process is the art form rather than having your art form be sitting on a computer after the fact. Right. Okay. So I'll, I'll agree with you on, yeah, if you're not going to post process, this gives you the best chance at trying to capture the full dynamic range of a scene where it's really disparate. Like the, there's one half that's way brighter than the other. That gives you a better chance at it. Some there's a lot of dynamic range in sensors today too, though. So there's there's a lot of capability to to do it. I guess it's still in post though. But even even with dynamic range, you're still going to need to go change stuff in post so that you can actually leverage that dynamic range and, and make it so that you're you're uh, bringing the image, bringing the the relative brightness and, and darkness to the levels that are more pleasing. Uh, you still have to do some post processing there. So I, I, I'll give you that. I just think in today's world, you've got to get there. You just have to get there to to uh, know how to do even very, very basic stuff in Lightroom. It's not hard. I, I, I hear you with there's some people that just don't want to go there. And, and I, I get that. So if, yeah, for them, okay. Maybe getting one of these uh, graduated filters would be good. Um, but in general, my advice for people that are getting into this is you just... Don't worry about it. Learn how to do this in post because it's super capable and um, and you can deal with those inconsistencies, those things that are in the that are sticking up out of the horizon, the mountains, the hills, the trees, the, whatever it is. Or or even like uh, I just did a, a photo that I had on my Instagram recently where I have a mountain that is like covering most of the left hand side of the screen. Then there's a really bright sunset in the sky and more landscape. Um, on the horizon. And if you used a, a filter there, a, a GND filter, the top half of that mountain is going to be so dark um, to try to bring that sky in there. And it's, you just have way more flexibility to deal with it in, uh, in post-processing and, and make that happen. It wasn't very, like I didn't have to use luminosity masking and exposure blending to make that happen. It was just the dynamic range of the sensor changing the contrast and the whites and darks and some, some very simple sliders in Lightroom and, and you're there to, to make that work. So that's going to be my advice. <laughs> Just, I think you should skip the, the graduated filters. Don't need them. Okay. I, 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 and I could respect that. I just, right. <laughs> uh, I just, I just think that there's dip, just depending on where people are at sure. with their, with their computering, they, uh, they may, they, there, there's, there's room for some folks that would probably want to grab. One uh, and I, I'll agree with you on that too. So, all right, we came to some good middle ground. <laughs> hey, we all get along. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's not really super important all the time. I, I'm fine <laughs> to, to have differing opinions and people can kind of pick what they want. Uh, yeah, so it, it's just good. I, I think that's good advice for people to make their decision whether what they're going to want to do with with neutral vents or sorry with graduated filters. And that not all of them have to are are necessarily neutral density too. There's some that it could do like colors and add some different colors to different parts of the scene, and you, you can get creative. There's some really creative filters out there, but basically those are the for the most part the types of filters in general. There's there's going to be some artsy custom sorts of filters that are out there that we're not covering in this episode but those are the basic types and and we've given you some recommendations now on which ones are worth considering adding to your bag so that you have flexibility you can certainly do tons of work without these absolutely can and oh yeah and there is priority on like lenses is way more important than than getting filters um good tripod and, and ball head those are more important we have a good 
uh, episode that we've done over at Master Photography Podcast on best value tripods recently that that Mark and I were were covering. So you, you can get some advice on that if you're starting out and what you should consider there. But uh, so th- this is down the list of ways on priorities and, and what you should be saving for and, and investing into your camera to be able to give you lots of flexibility and improve your image quality. But when you get there, when when those things are kind of taken care of and you have those in your bag, um, I think this is a, a good thing to have on your list. Some of these filters so that and you just to give you flexibility, options, be able to deal with the another, scene in front of you. Another another really cool thing is sometimes I, I just having a new piece of gear oh, can yeah. really infuse your enthusiasm to get out there and shoot. Right. And so if your camera's been sitting in the bag for two months and you haven't gone out to shoot and you and like you said, you have a tripod, you have your camera in your lens. You know, grab a filter and go out and spend a week or two with it, and all of a sudden you're back into the habit of shooting. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I I find the same thing with music. With uh, I'm a band director as my day job with kids, and sometimes you know just getting a new mouthpiece or switching to different reeds or a new ligature, like just something about the whole experience. Like you're treating yourself to this creative thing. It just it it's it's very cathartic. It kind of moves you along and gets stuff going. Yeah, it, like fall color capture. Like that's gonna. Yeah. If you invested in one of these, now you have like a really something that's gonna motivate you. Like you got to get out there. You got to go out there and try this. See what the the circular polar or sorry the yeah the polarizing lens. See what that does to the image and how do I use that and and man it gets you out there and then then you're like okay I'm not sure I nailed it I'm gonna go try again and you go out again yep. and, yeah and, exactly. oh it's it's a really great way to jumpstart your your photography too yep I, I love it those those are all good reasons to do it okay let's talk about then <laughs> this is a space in every space of photography you have you have lots of options for gear and it's a good thing and and it can be a bad thing too we have tons of options for for getting gear. Um, I want to I want you to avoid cheap gear. Okay, so we talked about Nick's Nick's uh, pay, Nick Page's kind of buy let's see cry once buy once kind of uh, thing. I think is one of his sayings that he he said. I, I don't know that he came up with it. I think I've heard that from other people too. And uh, ultimately, you may be buying again and again and again. That's what I'm. I'm gonna. I want to make a distinction between cheap gear and inexpensive gear. Um, I'm gonna try my best to be able to recommend to photographers gear that uh, not buying cheap gear, but buying finding where there's a a transition from um, adding just a little bit more cost to it and getting into the okay. This is an ex- inexpensive option, but still definitely gonna function. It's gonna hold up for a while may not be full lifetime kind of component, but it's going to hold up a bit and it's, it's going to work. And uh, so your, your price to performance is there. It's, it's value. There's a lot of value to it and you didn't have to break the bank. Those are the inexpensive options. That's what I'm, my goal is to, to be able to find and recommend those options to photographers that are beginning um, and skip the cheap stuff because there is a lot of cheap stuff out there that is, just as the name implies, it is cheap. It's going to fall apart. It may not even work. It may hurt your image quality. In the case of the filters here, that's going to be a massive downside to cheap filters. And so um, I'm going to make a very general a very general statement about filters. If it's less than $15, that's a cheap filter. <laughs> 
that is not an inexpensive filter. That's a cheap filter. And it's not worth the $15 you're paying for it. It's just not. It's either you, you're going to have impact to your image quality or you may even have impact to like, I can't get it off my lens because <laughs> the filter, the threads of the filter uh, aren't strong enough. And and in maybe in the heat, they it, it made it so I can't even get the thing off anymore. Uh, I've heard of lots of photographers, like I talked about the UV filter. They go out and buy this really cheap UV filter and now it they didn't even drop their lens, but they can't even get it off their camera anymore. And uh, and it's really hurting their lens because or the image quality because it was a cheap one. So I'm I want you to avoid the cheap filters. They're just not worth having. It's much better if you can't afford it right now. Just save up some more. Wait longer until you can afford one that's um, we're going to try to we're going to offer you some suggestions on the category of inexpensive and it's relative. It's a relative term. Uh, it's not inexpensive to everybody. And some people are like, well, yeah, that is actually very inexpensive. But to some, it may be quite a bit of money still. And that's fine. You just save up for it. It's worth skipping the cheap ones to go for the inexpensive ones. Is that, that, is, was that fair, Mark? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and one really nice filter you're you're gonna you're gonna use it a ton for years and years and years. Um, you know, get one really nice one instead of three cheaper ones. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna recommend um, a brand, maybe a couple. We'll we'll see uh, how what Mark recommends here. But the, one of the reasons I brought Mark onto the episode with me on this was um, you've had some pretty unique exposure to various types of filters and tried them out. You've really kind of tested these pretty thoroughly so that you, you can, can give say us... say it, I'm a nerd. You, you, well, <laughs> it, it, it's important for people to understand that because most recommendations you're going to hear about filters is going to be because either they were sponsored or like, you know, the manufacturer sent them the filters, which full disclosure... One of the one of the vendors did send. We'll we'll tell you for about that. They did send us some filters to try, but um, it, it's that case, or they like can get an affiliate link to it, or somehow it's it, they didn't go and actually try a bunch of filters to compare against them. They maybe tried the one or the two that they're familiar with, and they they didn't have uh, obvious image quality issues. So then they can recommend it, which is fine. There's val- There is some value in that that. They did try at least that one, and they did see that there was good images that resulted. They didn't have massive impact to image quality in, in either like color tinting or weird uh, artifacts in the in the image where there's 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 lots of challenges that I've heard from people putting filters on there and and just like crazy impacts that it's had to their images. Some of like, I see like an X pattern <laughs> on my images yeah. now because of the filters, the, the filter that's in there. And it's just, it and it destroyed, like I can't even post-process it out. It's just impossible. I can't, it's, the, the images are not usable because of this filter. And so, so there is value in, in some of those recommendations. But Mark, you have a very unique perspective. Tell people about how, what, what it is that you've been exposed to there. So I, I wrote, for improved photography for a long time and um, the the website that Jim Har- Harmer had and uh, or has still has but I um I did a whole bunch of really in-depth articles on there where I would reach out to everybody that I could find in the industry uh, that's kind of how I did the tripod thing right. well, one of my other big projects was filters and I reached out to uh, uh oh gosh everybody I could find uh, Lee and Format High Tech and View Scion and Hoya and Tiffin 
and B plus W. I don't know if it's B plus W or B N W. Right. I, 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 I don't it know. It does but, have an but, actual plus symbol in the name, right? Yeah. yeah. Them. <laughs> um, and, 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 uh, gosh, it was several years ago now, so I'm forgetting, but basically all the heavy hitters. Um, and just in, in, uh, you know, the whole full disclosure thing, they all sent me the filters for, for free to right. use in comparison. So, um, I, I was going into it absolutely convinced that I was going to keep the Lee filters and I was going to sell everything else off and, and it was going to be the coolest thing ever. Um, and so, I mean, I had a preconceived notion in my head of who the best filter company was. Um, and then uh, Singray, um, I was shocked when they decided, decided they were going to send stuff out because their filters are like 500 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. They're really high end. Um, and so I, I and, and I had all these filters. I spent a summer shooting them and then I, I didn't have any of the snazzy uh you know, real deal color checker testing equipment. So I went to a Lowe's and I took all of those little paint chip color strips uh-huh. and taped them all onto a, a, a an Adirondack chair. And, and but then so I shot all of them uh, with the exact same setup with the exact same uh, light at the exact same one right after the other after the other and compared the sharpness and the resolution and the color cast um, and basically um, evaluated them on my experience from shooting them rather than relying on what their sales rep had to say because, you know, obviously their business is to tell you how good their own stuff is, right? Their job is to sell you. Yeah, of course. Right, Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and basically what motivated me with all of these is I'm, I'm a little nerdy. I like to kind of get down into the nitty gritty of, of figuring it all out and feeling like I really did get the best, best for my, my value. And, uh, I don't know. Is it time for the big reveal here? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. Okay. So that, (laughs) that, that was the point I wanted to make was Mark has been through these. He has tried all of the brands. It's been a couple of years, so maybe not everything. There may be new manufacturers out there today, but he's tried them in a very significant way, more than your average person reviewing filters, but a lot more. Most of them have not done this because it's a big effort. How long did it take you to do this? It took me about three months. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Three months of just checking out filters and, and trying it, which is I, I appreciate that. That's exactly the kind of testing I do on stuff. Mine tends to be more on the software side of things than it is in the hardware. But um, I, I really appreciate that Mark's able to come on and, and share with us what he found through three months of effort to be able to do this. All right. So after you've tested all of those filters out, you had from the really cheap to the ultra expensive end of filters, which manufacturer is your top one like best price to performance uh, is where I would like to focus it, but it might be overall. Yeah, well, I mean, if I to me, it's the same thing: price to performance and 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 just the best period. Um, I am a total breakthrough photography or breakthrough filters fanboy. Okay, um, I they won me lock, stock, and barrel um, for a, a number of different reasons. A lot of the companies would have a particular filter that seemed all right, but then you'd go to a different one and it would look horrible. Um, there was uh, one company that had so much color casting. It was like 
their corrective filters that are supposed to just make the 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 light change where they were changing the color to, everything was so green it was just ridiculous right. it looked like your white balance setting was off um and then there was another another one that turned everything blue and and they're um well that i think everybody that gets into filters at all kind of knows that lee turns everything blue and their whole thing is, well, you can go into post-processing and you can remove the blue. <laughs> right. Like, well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, But then here's its breakthrough and their filters are less money and you don't have to go back and fix the color because you just screwed it all up. Like, why not? Um, and so I totally ended up. Um, and the other thing that I absolutely loved about dealing with breakthrough is um, they have a there's a 25 year. Uh, I, I forget what they call it, but it's like a, a basically a no BS guarantee on your. They're like, you're going to use this filter for 25 years or we'll make it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I originally had uh, their original 10 stop ND and they decided that it didn't meet the standard of everything else. They got a hold of everybody that bought that and said, hey, we, we've improved it. Send yours in. We're going to send you a replacement in its place, wow. um, which you know, companies obviously don't have to do that. Right. Um, and and I got to know uh, the owner pretty well just in, in phone conversations back and forth when talking about it. And and he was he was so honest about um, how they go about making and, and testing and creating their filters and what they do. One of the things I really respected, um, I'd asked them, they have two different versions. They have the X2 and the X4. Um, and he he made no bones about the fact that the X2 basically uses an applique film that all a whole ton of the different filter companies use the same exact film. It's only made in one factory. They can actually, um, he said, they they can actually take uh, all the filters that they they you know they buy up their competitors' filters and test them, and a whole ton of them are actually the same exact film from this one. Uh, uh, warehouse and you can like this through spectroscopy or whatever you can actually read the the light elements and uh, and know that the you know filter a and filter b are actually the exact same filter gotcha. um and 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 he said that's that's what they use on their x2 because it's a much cheaper way to produce a, a filter and and he said you know it's it's there so that we can hit the market in that price point um but what we really you know what we're really about and and what our you know nanotechnology state of the art shot glass like um not shot glass like is in let's have a whiskey but s c h o t t which is a glass manufacturer which is super high end optical glass um and and everything is basically um the x four that's the that that's that's the one you want that's yeah. the one you want to save up for okay excellent. Okay, so I have dabbled in some. I have not done what, what Mark did. I didn't go buy or even ask for a bunch of filters from people. Um, but I, I wanted to add filters to my bag long ago. And so I did. And, and I got into some. I'm going to classify them in the inexpensive because they're good. They're, they're not do, causing massive impacts to my image quality. I've had some of the dirt cheap ones too, and I got rid of them fast because it was like so obvious. Just take, did a couple of test shots with him like, oh gosh, I cannot leave this filter on <laughs> right. front of my lens. This, that won't work. 
this is bad. And uh, so I have a little bit of exposure and I, in full agreement, breakthrough. Yes, they did send me some. So I did not buy them. They did send them to me. But um, the the quality difference, it's obvious just opening the box. <laughs> yeah. The, the quality of the ring is very impressive. It, it's really obvious when you compare it to most other filters not all some uh, there's others lee has really good quality i don't own a lee mm-hmm. but like you said it's they're they're very well made filters as well you kind of thought they would be your winner going into uh, your, your test having and having done the testing and whatnot i'm, I'm i wouldn't i wouldn't be comfortable with the well-made part to be oh, really? really honest okay they're they're, re- they're resin they're not even glass okay and um and 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 unless you like photographing blue a lot <laughs> All right. So it, it just testing wise, um, these are good. These are really, really good. So mm-hmm. you can skip a lot of pain. You can know that Breakthrough has very, very good filters that you can be confident when you put them on there. It's just giving you the flexibility we've been talking about. It's And you don't have to worry that it's going to be negatively impacting your image quality or, or causing color casting or any of the the downsides that are there. Uh, I'm I'm guessing it would take an awful lot, really something to go wrong for it to become a problem where you can't get it off your lens. Um, I mean, I haven't had an issue, but I, I haven't put it through such extreme torture. And I, I have to imagine there's probably some case where that's happened. <laughs> well, even in, in really, really cold, like when you're going from extreme temperature variants yeah, yeah. and things are heating up and cooling down, if they, um, the, they have like this serrated edge along the outside rim. And if you just take one of those um, uh, like silicone can opener type things and you just basically get a little extra grip on there, I've, I've even when something has gotten in really bad temperatures, uh, they just they all come right off. Yeah. OK, so hopefully you get the idea. These are something that we feel very comfortable standing behind. Not saying that you're absolutely making a mistake if you don't buy breakthrough, you know, whatever's going to be in your budget and and you've used and and it's if it's working for you awesome then go use it go yeah. go get the flexibility and and make it so that you shoot that's that's the whole goal is just make it so that you you can get the images that you want to create the images that you can and uh, so whatever's working for you that's awesome we're not saying that you have to dump everything you have if you bought something else if it's working for you then go with it that's that's incredible but if you haven't and we're trying to to make this a podcast that's available for people who are kind of beginners, then um, I you will absolutely not make a mistake with Breakthrough. It is worth saving the money. And I'm speaking from a hobbyist budget here where every dollar I spend on my gear is really impactful. These are the ones that I would save up for. I would absolutely make sure that I save up for them. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to put links in the show notes to the the three that I would think most photographers are going to be interested in having to get the flexibility we've talked about. Um, it's the X4 version of these filters that we that Mark alluded to. One's the six-stop ND. That's 180 bucks. There's a three-stop ND that's $170. And the circular polarizer is $160. I'm going to recommend that you get the 82 millimeter filter size for it. That doesn't mean it's going to fit all your lenses right off the bat, but when we're going to talk, the last thing we'll address in this show is kind of what to do to to make it so that you can. But I'm going to suggest you only need these, you only need one of each of those filters. You don't need to buy one of these filters for every 
filter size of your lenses. And if you don't know what that means yet, you'll 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 get there. You'll see even after you buy it, like what it is. It's it's how big around the filter is has to match how big around your lens is. And if those don't those th- two things don't match, you can't screw it on. And uh, so that's that's called thread size in the filter and world. Go ahead. It'll be written right on your lens. And, and yep. the most common, the, the the bigger your lens, the biggest lens is generally 82. Right. Um, although some of the big front elements are, are, are bigger than that. But sure. then um, 77, 67 um, are all really, really common as well. And right. yeah, when I first started this, the whole thing, um, when I when I gathered everything up, I was shooting a 77 millimeter uh, lens. So of course, all of the filters that I got were 77 millimeter. Then I bought a 16 to 35 lens, which is 82 millimeters, and I was like, "Oh my god, what did I just do?" <laughs> right. So yeah, so I it, learned that one the hard way. It's a good bit of advice if you're starting out. Your goal is to save up to get these at some point when it makes sense. Don't this should not be your first purchase after you bought your camera. And then, uh, and go for the 82 millimeter size. Okay, so then there's there's kind of a couple ways. Uh, Mark's going to give you a, uh, a newer option than than what has traditionally been recommended. But I'm going to give you the one that uh, that's been tried and true for a long time for lots of people. And that's something that's called um, sometimes they call them step up rings, but I think it's a more accurate term is step down rings. These are this is a place where you don't have to spend a lot of money. So you, twenty dollars is all you should expect to spend on these. And you got to be a little careful still with these rings because like we talked about, you can get a filter stuck on your lens and then you're you're kind of in trouble and, and it's going to, yeah. you, you may damage your lens trying to get it off. That can be the same issue here with these step-down rings. You can have a problem. And so if you buy, I've seen some where there's kits that are like $5. I'm nervous. I haven't tried them to tell you. Maybe Mark, that's something <laughs> you need to do. But um, I'm not putting any of the stuff. On. <laughs> but if you don't spend like around twenty, I'd be nervous that you could end up with an issue where you can't get that ring back off. And so it's worth it to spend just a little bit more. You don't have to go crazy. This doesn't shouldn't cost you a hundred dollars to do this. But the, the, these are just little rings that that you can screw even like together. And make it so that you can adapt. You can adapt up just fine. So if you had that 77 millimeter thread size on one of your lenses, and this is an 82 millimeter lens, they're not going to fit, but you can add a ring that converts or adapts up from the 77 to the 82. And because the, the filter is bigger than the thread size of the camera, it covers just fine. There's no issue with it being too bigger, too much too big to fit on your lens with the adapter ring. If you go too small, that doesn't really work. <laughs> you can, but now that means you only you're you're going to lose a little bit of the uh, uh, the image because you have your filter it can't cover the entire lens, and uh, and it's it kind of a challenge. So the step down rings are a, a really good way to be able to make it so you can just buy one of each of these filters and then use those rings to adapt it to any lens that you're going to have. Almost any some of those wide ones can get bigger than eighty two millimeters, but I'm going to be, I'm fine with 82 and I've, I've been doing them for, for a while now. It's fun. Uh, and that's, it's really inexpensive. And I'll have a link in the show notes to the KNF concept, uh, filter rings that, that I'm going to recommend to you that you can go buy on, on Amazon. All right, Mark, tell us about the other option that, that you're aware of. So 
I and I I am bummed that at the time that we're recording this, they are on back order. Um, I know that they're actually changing them a little bit, but Breakthrough has magnetic filters, and with the magnetic filter, basically they're all eighty-two millimeter filters. But then there's a just a little magnetic holder that goes on each of your lenses. And you just pop them on and off, basically like MagMod stuff does for your flash, if you've seen that. Um, and it is so slick. It's really, really fast and easy. Um, I love mine. The, um, the one downside that they have on the, the generation that I have right now is that they don't stack. So if you had a three and a six time ND, you couldn't stack the two together. Um, However, they are in the process of, of reworking that and retooling it, and they are, uh, they're going to come out with stackable magnetics in place of what they had before. Okay. So if, if you're able to wait or if you're saving up because you don't want to do it too soon, um, the, the holder piece is, I think, about 12 bucks. I think if I remember right, it's about 1250 and so you would buy one for a 77, one for an 82, one for a 67, whatever lens sizes you have, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then and then the filters, um, you just they're all 82 millimeter. They don't even come in different sizes. Um, and so that that is a really slick system. Um, I will also just kind of take the, the little moment to piggyback on what you were saying about the step up and step down rings. Um, they also have fantastic step rings through Breakthrough. They're um, they're not quite as inexpensive as some of the ones that you're talking about on Amazon, uh, but they're around thirty dollars, twenty to okay. thirty five dollars, oh, depending good. on the size. And they're they're brass. They're really well. The the key there is with the manufacturing process of having the quality control that you have. The threads are really really well cut. Um, if you have poorly cut threads and they they don't want to go uh, on and off smoothly, um, it's just it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah, it could be a problem. All right, so yeah, it's a yeah. good option. It's another option, and, and not bad if you're if you're going to be buying the breakthrough stuff. You you may as well get the breakthrough step up rings too or step down rings. Yeah, yeah, yep. and there and and as a general rule, a, each individual photographer is only going to need a couple. Right, you're going to have right. you know whatever lenses you have in your kit. So. Rather than spending twenty one dollars on a on a whole big selection, then you're going to not use nineteen of them. Um, you know, just you know, get the exact ones you need, and and you know, step up to the plate and spend the extra eight bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's not not a bad idea. Okay, that's that's excellent. We're gonna wrap up the show here. I, I hope it's helpful, especially for you beginners, people that are are getting into photography and you needed to figure out filters. I hope this has been helpful for that, and and you you're getting some value out of these recommendations, so you know what to go to. I I wish that I had had something like this as a resource when I was getting started. Um, I I went through the mistakes of buying a UV filter. I went through the <laughs> mistakes of buying cheap ones and. And uh, other brands that I don't know that Breakthrough even existed back when I was doing it, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But uh, now there, I'm hoping this will be a resource that that uh, beginners will be able to really use, and and it will help them. Want to remind you that you can find everything Photo Taco related over at phototacopodcast.com, including the Facebook group that you can be a member of and and ask questions of, give me suggestions for show notes uh, or shows to do. 
uh, on Instagram at Photo Taco Podcast, Twitter, Photo Taco, and all of the links for all of this will be there. You can drop me an email by going at uh, phototacopodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can check out the other podcast that I, I spend quite a bit of time on, and that's Master Photography Podcast dot com to to uh, get other tips i I, photo taco is more technical and um, something that i'm trying to provide as a resource for people to answer questions about photography pretty specifically master photography we talk about news and tips and all kinds of of other topics so if if you want to learn how to do some photography check out both both podcasts would be really incredible hey uh, so mark where can people find you especially that iceland tour well, so the Iceland tour has its own bit.ly address. So bit.ly slash Iceland dream. And uh, you can also find it over on my website, which uh, is just markcmorris.net. And uh, I'm on Facebook and YouTube and whatnot. Just as Mark C. Morris Photography Everywhere. Um, I also have a photography group on, uh, on the Facebook that is called Photographers Cooperative which is very much in the, the same line as a master photography or yeah. photo taco, just all jabbering about photography stuff all the time. So everybody's yep. always welcome there. Yeah, and it's a, yeah. a great place to go check out and go go look up that photographer's cooperative. We'll make sure there's a, a link in the show notes over to that too if you're interested in joining that Facebook group. All right, oh, Mark. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you helping me out with this since I didn't have – the experience that I would like to have to cover this, I wanted to make sure I brought someone on that did to be able to speak to the best filters to use here in 2019 and, and breakthrough is that brand. Pretty excited about it. All right. Awesome. Thanks everybody. We'll see. Thanks Jeff. See you again soon. Bye-bye. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a permission is earned. Olay!